You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome. We are live on YouTube. It is Sunday night. If you're watching it live, subscribe to this channel, like the video. If you're listening to the podcast, great. Thank you for uh, thank you for your support there. I'm Guy. That's John. This is Haberman and Middlecoff. We are sponsored by our friends at Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka. It's Thanksgiving week. I don't know if you're having chicken or turkey or prime rib, but the one thing you got to have at your Thanksgiving dinner, Tito's. Take it with you or have it stocked for the people coming over. And I think we have to raise our glasses and give a uh, a somber cheers to uh, Talanoa Hufunga, who I think tore his ACL. I mean, who's just been – if you're a football fan and you get a guy like that on your team, he just immediately becomes a fan favorite. He's just fucking guys up. You're like, who's this guy? Especially, you know, I mean, I don't know how many people listening or watching this watched a lot of USC in the Clay Helton days. Don't totally blame me if you didn't, but he was sweet there. And he he you know was a polarizing draft pick in the sense of like where should he go, what position does he play? A lot of my buddies are like you know he's too small to play linebacker, but he's not fast enough. But he's just good at football, and it's just one of those where you just benefit. It's not like the Niners weren't even going to take the guy in like the third or fourth round. You take him late, but you immediately know God we would have gladly taken this guy in like the second round. Uh, you text me right away. I, I Maybe I just, I don't know, I was kind of watching two screens and the game was kind of, I wasn't as dialed as like, oh, he tore his ACL and then you just kind of snap out of it. You're like, oh, he tore, and then clearly gets carted off. Then Kyle basically says, it sucks. So cheers to Hufunga. Uh, yeah, man, that sucks. Yeah, love that guy. Toast. Uh, I've got a toast, John, to uh, Mike Batesel, Fresno State baseball coach, who's grown out his hair on the front and the back, huge goatee, long flowing blonde, like blonde, long hair. He's retired. Uh, photos of him yesterday at the Fresno State football game and today at the Aaron Judge jersey retirement. This man delivered a national championship to Fresno State baseball and one of the great sluggers of his era in back-to-back years at Fresno State. That's incredible. Uh, Bullock football team, major disappointment. But the baseball team, uh, honored retired Aaron Judge's number. So uh, Tito's toasted. 
Mike Batesel and Aaron Jones. But in Fresno State fashion, did I send you the video of that I, it was sent to me on what the jersey, you know, when the you did what with the, the piece of you know, like uh, whatever they put yeah, over like the, the name to drop, yeah, the curtain yeah, falls the off, just you know, basically like something you'd put on a bed, you just put over which someone just cuts and then Aaron Judge's name is revealed. Well, they're like three, two, one, and nothing falls. And a guy in the stands had to climb up and yank it down. And then Aaron judges name and he got a standing ovation. Uh, Chino's handmade vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. 49ers beat the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, John, 27 to 14. Um, where do you want to start? I think we have to start with, uh, I, I don't know if you saw. The, I, I only came into my timeline that Nick Wright, who I actually like, uh, had said that, and even his fellow co-hosts were flummoxed by his take, that if you flip-flop the two, the Niners would win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would suck ass and be drafting high. I think it's pretty clear that if you put Brock Purdy, the guy that we've seen, the overwhelming majority of the year, beside a couple drives, Right, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are winning that division. They would win nine games. Like this version of Brock Purdy is a Pro Bowl player. So it's not as much about the take, but just in general, like the one bit major difference today is Brock Purdy, the seventh rounder. Now this guy hasn't been quote unquote the number one pick in a while, right? He's been traded. He's on a new team for four million dollars. So it's like Trey Lance was the number three overall pick. Now he's a third straight. Like things change. But like the, a major, major difference in that game. Because you watch the Bucs, and I've been saying this, like when I watched them earlier in the season, they're a little older, but like White, Vita Vea, Mike Evans, like they got worse. How many guys would the Niners fucking love to have on their squad? I know one thing they would like to do, have a little redo on the Kinlaw worst decision. Uh, Vita Vea, in, what did, uh, who's called, was it Moose Johnson? It was, it was Moose, yeah. What he's like, God, you get Kyle going on Vita Vea, you can't shut up. Yeah, because he's like, God, we were hoping Kinlaw would be like half as good as him. And right. Didn't quite work out. Or Hargrave, we paid about $40 million. We're hoping something like that. But the point is, like, that team is talented. Like, that team has a lot of good players. And the quarterback is just a, a roller coaster ride. And Purdy today, I know he had literally the perfect rating game. I don't even know what that means. But he's just a really, really good player. And this is the thing. It's not – it shouldn't be that polarizing to talk about Brock Purdy. No one's saying that he's fucking Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. But relative to the rest of the league, he's really good. I don't know if he's going to be some all-time great star. We've got a long way to go. People comparing him to Joe Montana. But this version that we've seen in 2023 is a high-end Pro Bowl guy. Not like the Tyler Huntley, Derek Carr Pro Bowls, where you get in like the eighth guy of your conference. Like the a top three guy. He could be a top three Pro Bowl pick. Him, Dak, and Jalen. And Jared. Jared threw three picks today, but... 21 to 25 for 333, three touchdowns, no picks, 158.3 quarterback rating. Even he admitted after the game, I'm not sure exactly what goes into that. First time it's happened for a Niners quarterback since 89. Same Montana and Young, the other two, they did it in the same year. That was a good little note from Joe Davis. Uh, So I saw the Nick Wright clip as well. Even Chris Broussard was, what'd you say, flummox, flustered? Even Broussard was like, I'm a basketball guy, but that's insane. Well, they uh, all—they all, all four guys on the set were looking at him like it was stupid. Well, part of know? it is you're comparing him to like it's Baker you're talking about, right? You're saying you're talking about Baker Mayfield. Put Baker on this team, 
And Baker, but you got you got. I don't know if you know the origin of his take. Like he's an anti-Purdy. He thinks Purdy stinks. Like he he's been one of the guys that thinks Purdy's very overrated. I, I listened to Ethan had him on, and like he's just and he's one of those. It's one of those things where which I never understand in sports. After a while, we all have takes that are dumb, and then things change, and it's like, yeah, this guy's actually better than we thought, or this guy sucks. Who cares? Yeah. I, I don't well, I get it. <clears throat> no, but uh, no, you're. I agree with you. I also think that. You never know, like when you're doing date, when you're doing Nick Wright's job, you don't. You, I never quite know who people are reacting to when you say somebody's overrated. Well, which which exact take on Brock is he reacting to? Because there are some, you know, I felt like there have been Brock takes over the last several months that are like way too far, right? I remember five weeks in, people were saying we can't, we shouldn't even have a debate about Brock Purdy anymore, and I said, well, that's crazy. I mean, it's like careers go longer than a season, so yeah, I'm pretty sure we can keep talking about whether he's good or not and that's fine or how good he is i think your point is it's not about whether he's good or not it's about well how good is he where's his ceiling whatever but but really when you think about it the 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 nick wright comment was almost a perfect comment to talk about because he he was just talking specifically about how you win a super bowl with this team this year and i think brock has definitely answered whatever his career turns out to be he has without question answered the question is he a good enough player for to be the quarterback of a Super Bowl champion 49er team in 2023. Is he a good enough player to take the Texans to the championship? Irrelevant. Is he a good enough player to win this team a Super Bowl? And the answer it doesn't mean he's go- the answer is yes. He is without a doubt a good enough quarterback to win the Super Bowl with the 2023 San Francisco 49ers. There's no doubt there is no doubt about it. And and I think the thing that's made it complicated is how good his talent is and that's why the Around him, that's where the Bucks are interesting because the Bucks have good players. Yeah, and Baker kills them. He should have thrown seven interceptions today, John. Truly, seven interceptions in the game today. Throws seven. a pretty spiral. I, I was throwing and a pretty I, and I like you know Bosa came over and like had some words of encouragement. Kittle said something post game about you know Kyle. The one thing with Baker, he's a competitor. Block Nick on a run play. Um, he's an NFL player, but. He is what I think, like when you when you, when we would start talking about Brock and you get like some Iowa State fans in the chat over the last several months, Brock would throw a pick and some Iowa some Iowa State fans would be like, oh there there's our guy, you know. I think Baker is kind of what's what at the beginning of the year I was a little afraid. Like, is this Brock? Can you be a guy without a plus arm and be a gunslinger and not make a ton of mistakes? It's hard. It's hard. It's I hard. would say that's you big. probably can't. Unless you're just mental. I thought Baker has a good arm, like on, on the drive throws. Like to me, he's got a stronger arm than Purdy. Um, I, when you say drive throws, you mean like when he's really able to get into it? Yeah, I'm just saying when his feet are planted and he can just drive like on an in cut, yeah, on an out yeah. cut, he can drive the ball. He throws yeah. a beautiful spiral. He's just, you know, he's been turnover prone in his career. But regardless, like part one of the reasons where he fails, right? He'll throw a lot of turnovers. He doesn't give you a lot of wow stuff anymore that Purdy does. Purdy's a better athlete. Purdy, back-to-back weeks, has hit two passes to Kittle and then today to Ayuk on essentially go routes. I know Kittle's technically wasn't because he kind of ran around. Did the 49ers literally have not hit in the Kyle Shanahan era? They never hit that fucking pass. One, they don't throw it that often, but when they do and they get a one-on-one situation, they have never hit that. And they have had teams that... I mean, we're talking a, a franchise that over the last five years have won six playoff games, and they, they can't run that play. Like uh, one of the most basic plays of football, just like the go route down the sideline or just a sideline pass 
in one-on-one an over, or you're an leading over the, the top guy. sideline ball. Yeah. He's hit it twice. Perfectly. The, the, really, the, the Kittle one was more impressive in the sense that he was like, there were guys right in his face. This one is just pure football. Can you just hit that guy? Hit him fucking in stride. It, it, to me, if it's Debo or Kittle, right, they they do the Deion Sanders at like the 20-yard line. And Ayuk just walked in the end zone, did a cool little dance. He, I thought he also threw a really good he, – he put a perfect ball on Ayuk earlier in the game that had a defensive holding on it. Jacoby Dean, it was like the second series of the game. Remember, left sideline, Ayuk off his fingertips, but Jacoby Dean got called for a defensive pass interference, but the ball was actually in the perfect spot. So he threw two of those balls today. Um, yeah. Darnold didn't one preseason game, but, you know, took the Niners a long time. They're not good at it. They're just, as an organization, they, they don't do it. They, I've In camp, they don't do it. They just don't do it. Well, so, I'll give you a number. That I, I just looked it up because I was like, how many? Because Ayuk's stats are weird. He has these huge impacts on games, but he yeah. has his numbers are like five for seventy-five, right? What it's not he five for. He had, yeah, he had five for one fifty. I mean, the touchdown he, was seventy-six, longest well, exactly, but, in the NFL this year. But if you watched the game, you'd be like, oh, he had nine for a buck forty, right? But that's right. that's what he feels like. You know, Brandon Ayuk, while only forty-three catches on the season, has eight hundred and thirty yards. Wow. And to me, one number when I looked up Purdy stats when the game kind of was over, when it was like 27-14, even though it kind of went back and forth a little bit after that, he was 19 of 22. And this is the other number that always stands out for Purdy. He's never – you look at some of these quarterbacks throughout the day, if you're just watching football, it's like seven yards in attempt, six yards attempt. When like when they're really shitty and everyone's making fun of – like when I, when I can tell people are making fun of a quarterback, like a Zach Wilson or a Carr, it'll be like four yards in attempt. When I screenshotted 19 and 22, it was 14 and a half yards in attempt. Every single game is high. And that's where, I mean, Brandon Ayuk's going to probably end the season if he stays healthy, 75 catches, but he's going to have like 1,400 yards. And a lot of guys with 1,400 yards, I would imagine usually like 93 catches. And one thing Ayuk right now is when when the ball leaves his hand and he's going deep to Ayuk, or I mean throwing to Ayuk, it is typically like 15 to 20-yard plays. It's explosive first downs. That, to me, the offense, because McCaffrey early on in this game looked just freaking awesome. It's like they got they added Christian McCaffrey, who's still a star, and they upgraded a quarterback so much. No wonder their team is so much more explosive. Like, they had Kittle and Debo before. Like they've had Trent Williams for a while. But they, now they have a good quarterback, and they have Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> They're just dramatically better on offense, right, when, when everyone's on the field. It's unstoppable. It ended up that, at 13.3 uh, That's high. yards per attempt. Je- this is from PFF Jeff Dini, who I know always feeds Papa good stats. Jacksonville was 11.4. Cincy was 11.8. Those are all high numbers. Hell yeah. Because I saw I saw Todd Bowles, one of his quotes was in his post-game press conference, was like, I, I thought we like played our ass off. And I, I agree. I, I thought they came to play hard. Like yeah. they were, this wasn't just, you got a, you know, a team that's probably not going to make the playoffs start laying down. Like that team fought. They're and good they got players. Multiple, fought. To your point, like they got multiple, you just look up, they got multiple good players, good weapons on offense. Like guys, you get the ball in their hands. They can make a play. Yeah. Baker battles. Like they said, Baker battles. Yeah, he'll, <laughs> he'll help you out too, but he battles. Um, And, and to me, Purdy is just since that bye week these last two weeks is just, it's not. This isn't real football, right? Going nineteen of twenty-two during stretches of games is just not normal for three hundred and fifteen yards. Yeah, he ended up with like three, whatever, forty, three, whatever. 
okay. But if you, this is where I can live with a pick, ideally not in the last five minutes of a tie game, but you can throw a pick in the second quarter if you're giving me three or four touchdowns. Right. Like, welcome to fucking Brett Favre's career. Rogers is a bad example because he didn't throw picks. But a lot of Peyton Manning threw picks. Like you're, you can throw picks. Give the touchdowns. It's what we didn't get with Jimmy. You never got the balancing act. What's this guy going to end up with right now? 32 touchdown passes? Probably yep. not because they'll run the ball. Well, I, Kyle will throw it with them, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Seattle lost, but you're still going to play games You gotta where you're going to have to make plays to win. Um, I, I think, you know. A couple, <laughs> Niners are back in first place. Niners are back in first, pl- first <laughs> place. Rams helped out. Missed a 55-yard field goal to Seahawks. Uh, Drew Locke got to play a little bit through a pick. Um, 21 to 25. I don't know how often that ends up in 333 you know sometimes 21 to 25 like you're not to your point you're not throwing at 13 yards per attempt so you get 21 to 25 and it's gonna be like you know 250 right i honestly Derek and and alex it felt like had a lot of like 20 of 27s 21 of 26 for a buck 88 right and they would win the game and they'd be efficient and they got got when Derek was playing well alex a lot of his career would once he got with andy because the and they, the knock on them is like, well, they're not doing anything down the field. That is not Purdy's problem at all. And I think they just, I, I think going through some of that shit that he went through can only help you, yeah. right? Making the poor decisions, screwing up. This is, I, I was watching Michigan yesterday, J.J. McCarthy, who's kind of coming back to earth, doesn't look that good. Mm-hmm. How do you get any better as a as a player when you're just constantly kicking the shit at everybody? How can you get prepared for tight games, right? And I think, and even Fred said this weeks ago, like, you know, sometimes it's good to kind of get in the ugly, right? Because this is not normal. Even today, you know, it would have been one thing to be a 40 to 10, but it was, you had to work a little bit. It was a healthy work, right? Now you lost a player, which sucks, but you got tested. Like guys had to get some legit action on both sides of the ball. Christian, you saw how mad he was when he got stuff. Like it's... It was never, I didn't feel in the balance, but I was kept doing the math in my head. Well, it's not like totally over yet. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, I think what you're describing is like Dallas. Like I was watching Dallas today thinking they're kind of like a top end college football team. I didn't watch one Panthers in front of them. Oh, they're going to treat them like Georgia State. Like they, you give them the Giants, mm, they're going to kick their ass. Right. But to your point, like it's not, and, and you get credit for that too. Like you love the. Niners. It's why Dallas got credit in the loss of the Eagles, right? It's like God, they never play that close. You know, <laughs> yeah. they never look that good in a loss. But they're not good at the. We know we've seen it repeatedly. They're not good at the end of game of those like of those games. They don't manage the clock well. They don't make plays in the right spots. They don't play button down football. But they will be it. They are every year. You look up, you're like top five team. They go into the CFP this year, and then they get to the. They're kind of like Michigan. Maybe we'll find out. But it feels like maybe they're a little like Michigan the old Dallas Cowboys. I think there's some similarities, big games between McCarthy and Harbaugh. Um, Rather have Jim, but I think there's something there. What do you think the game started, like to what you said about Brock and the struggles? I think it was just as much about like how I feel about him than than it was even for him. Like he came out unfazed. I heard Kawakami ask this question of, of uh, Kyle Sunday post game. And we've talked about it a lot. Like, how would he come out of the bye week after he had those back-to-back bad second, like, late-game situations? And he came out unfazed, just throwing, chucking the ball. And I thought, again, today, the the first drive, 
he is it's going to get tipped sometimes maybe it'll get picked occasionally but his like middle of the field over the linebacker throw is just it's like his bread and butter he's really good at that he gets Kyle gets some wide open guys plenty but he is really good at that throw and I I mean that's you watch college football like you don't see that throw a lot and even in the NFL it's just a really it's a dangerous throw because it's you got to drop it in in front and behind and he just he throws that ball really well. He just throws that ball really well. So yeah, well, I, I mean, layering the ball, I have to say, is a huge point of emphasis for him, right? To, of success, the layered throw. Which is, I, would I, you I, agree? It's just a harder. It's like a. It's not a typical. It does, most guys don't make it look as consistently good as he does. Well, the good guys do, right? The good I guys, mean, the, yeah, you're the, right. the high end players do. Yes. And I, I'd say the guys that fail, right? I mean, the high picks that fail. Trey Lance, Mitch Trubisky, like they they can't make that throw. Zach Wilson, which in fairness is a very very difficult throw to make. And I would say the middle of the road guys. I think I read this one time in one of Sandoz quarterback articles. That's the thing with like Dak and when Jimmy was good and when Carr was good and, and Cousins, they make it a higher percentage than all the other guys, but they don't make it at the rate in which the other guys make it at the high end. But that to me, that layered throw between defenders over the top of guys, it's like a touch long pass. It's very, very difficult. But that is the NFL. And that at the highest level, like you have to be able to make it. Not everything is just, I'll just throw a jump ball to George Kittle and he'll bail me out. Right. Right. He, right. It, there's, there's a touch. Even it's some of his completions are when he scrambles and dumps it to a, a wide open guy. It's a good play, but it's an easy throw at, in the NFL level for good players. Right. Like, yeah. That top 15 guy, if they're in the position where the guys are going to hit that 99% of the time, right, from Dak to Mahomes. I I don't want to, you know, dig up old skeletons, John, but it's part of what stood out, I thought, about Trey Lance in camp, right, is that he wasn't making just that throw that gets put on a platter for you. Um, But he doesn't. Like, he that's his limit. Like, he's not an accurate guy. He doesn't have touch. That's the knock on him. He doesn't have touch. Zach Wilson, no touch. Mitch Trubisky, no touch. Like, no touch. Like, you, you can't play in the NFL. Like this Kaepernick, remember, didn't have touch. Yeah. Uh, Cam struggled with no touch, but he was way better than all those guys, right? Over the course of his career, that and he could hit so many big passes. Like Colin, early in his career, could get away with the no touch because he was such an explosive passer down the field and as a runner. And once the running element left, like that was the thing with Trey Lance, like there was no running element, right? His runs, he wasn't a very fluid runner. So it's like, wait, you have no touch and you're not, you know, Kaepernick or Cam Newton. Like, what, what, what are we doing here? And that's with Purdy. He just has a very good feel for what he is, like just his skill set. And that's a huge part of being a good athlete, right? Whatever pro sport you're in, like knowing what you do well. Most guys aren't like fucking Ken Griffey Jr. or Patrick Mahomes, where it's like, I can do everything. Like usually people have some limitations, but you just kind of have to figure it out. Like ultimately Brock, you notice like when he scrambles, and to me, this is a good trait. He doesn't really scramble to run. He scrambles to kind of keep his eyes up. And they showed him a couple times today, eyes up to throw. Russell had that forever. Back when Deshaun was with the Houston Texans and with Clemson, he was really good at that, like moving the eyes up to throw and make an explosive play. How many explosive plays happen when you scramble outside the tackle box with Josh Allen, Mahomes, Russell for his whole career, Deshaun when he became a star? That is Rodgers, that's when I eviscerate you. Right. And that uh, some guys get out there and they either short circuit or they never even get out there, you know, and he's he's natural at that, like the instinctive level. Yeah, his I thought his best one today, I mentioned several throws, but two more to mention. And one was what you're describing. 
he's the other thing he's proving to be really good consistently at right is the step up in the pocket, which has happened. Josh Dobbs just <laughs> made an incredible play. Oh, I rewound. This guy's having like the uh, Browns career renaissance. In, in, <laughs> insane. It's really crazy. Uh, his the thing that Brock is like the one that one of the ones you're talking about today. I think steps up. And he and he, he does that thing really well where he steps up and moves to his right and then throws on the run. And he hit Debo on a big on a in the second half of the second possession of the second half. He hit Debo on one of those steps up, moves to his right on the run. He loves kind of throwing like a shortstop, doesn't he? Kind of on the yeah. run, um, one leg, you know, kind of front leg kicked out. And then um, the other throw on the eyes up play was there was a throw to Ayuk on the right hash where Feliciano. Do you remember this play? Gets trucked. Get Vita Vea just. Feliciano's on his back and Vita Vea is at Brock Purdy's feet in in half a second. And Brock kind of just the kind of similar to when he had to pump and hit Kittle last week. He kind of he he kind of felt it but kept his eyes up and and delivered the ball to Ayuk. It's just you know it's complete. Well, that, that, well I'll give you a good example of like Jimmy Garoppolo when the 49ers had really good teams. How often did he kind of end up sometimes in a position? And then miss the guy behind or skip yeah. the ball to him. Back foot it. Yeah, just but but not even the pocket one where he back foots it, where he kind of scrambles, like, oh, Jimmy's kind of making a play. And then the ball doesn't end up. You're like, that was open. What was and what, that what, was it the Packer game? What was the game? What was the playoff game? He rolled right and almost ended the season. You remember that? Well, he did it against the Cowboys. I was remember it the in da- oh, it was the in, Dallas. In, in, in Dallas. In they, Dallas. They were killing him and throw a pick right. six and they got back in the game. That's right. He did that again in the Green Bay playoff game, if you remember. They were driving, I think, at the end of the half, and he threw a pick six. I, I, or not a pick six, but the guy almost took it the six. Luckily, they made the tackle. And then he like missed the field goal, I think. I think the Dallas one got dropped, right? Or did I get- thought that da- Dallas had a pick six. He basically threw a pick six against Green Bay, but the guy got tackled toward the red zone, and then they ended up missing a field goal to go into halftime. Kind of got saved, but it was That was an all-time should not have won the game game. Oh, that's remember Rogers missed the wide open running back down the right sideline. I'd say it's an all time. If you're Green Bay, that's the worst loss of your career. I think. <laughs> I think that's the worst loss of like a Hall of Fame career I've ever seen. Peyton Manning had some bad ones, but that was they are clearly better. They they don't even have a quarterback who's functional. That's insane, honestly. That they that's crazy. R.I.P. Hufunga, whose life's not over, but his season looks to be. Daniel says, wasn't the pick six, was an immediate score after the pick. I was at that game. Packer game was a drop from Alexander, 23. <laughs> but do you remember they were driving and he threw a pick Yeah, in the in the end zone? And I, I thought he took it back pretty far, but I could be wrong. I'm getting some of his it, picks about the, da- the Dallas. I'm talking about the Green Bay cold game. Jimmy threw a bad red zone, a baby oh, zone pick. Oh, oh. Right corner, maybe? I think right corner, yeah traumatized and then, and then and then when jimmy would make that move you would lose faith in it where when purdy makes that move you know I, i'm not able to watch as many warriors games but obviously for eight years when clay got the ball and shot it you're like bucket wet swish you definitely do not do that anymore yeah where you just you change as you watch a guy succeed or fail it's no different like a hitter like Derek jeter is prime coming up you're like he's gonna get hit in a big spot and you know guys you root for, like, this guy's getting out. Like Aaron Judge or Giancarlo come up. You're like, K, okay. <laughs> right? In a big spot, especially Giancarlo. Well, the Giancarlo, GM. did you see what uh, Cashman said the other day? 
basically like, was Giancarlo going to get hurt this year? Yes, he's going to get hurt this year. He's going to miss some time. You know, like basically, like, yeah, like that's predictable. You see that you see then his agent said that that's going to like got pissed off. And then they asked Brian Cashman if that's going to hurt their pursuit of this like Asian superstar. He's like, no, <laughs> he's like this agent. Shut up. Your guy gets hurt all the time. Pay you a lot of money. What are we pretending? But ultimately, like Purdy's is good. There's just no doubt about it. He's just he's playing really, really good. He's like a high end player. He's a high end player. He's a high end player. A plus grade today. High end player. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it. Four years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you... Free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, you mentioned Ufunga. Let's talk about that. If you listen to this Monday, you you may already know Shanahan did say post game it's probably an ACL um, injured uh, non contact injury during the game. Jair Brown came in and got roasted 
in his first appearance. Then got a PBO on Mike Evans in the end zone, a PBO on Kate Otten in the end zone, and an interception in the end zone. But um, yeah. PBU, I mean, he was trailing. Ball was late. Just kind of went up. Could have, you know. Otten, bo- <laughs> Ot- and then Otten's was bobbled. Then he got there. But uh, I'll give him a pass on the first play that he got smoked and got it was a PI. He was just flat footed. The guy ran right by him. Coming yeah. in fourth quarter, tough spot. Tough Everyone's spot. loose. Yeah, but tough spot. Just I mean, he's replacing it all. The guy was a second team All Pro last year. Yeah, he's really. One of their better players. At a really deep position, right? The, the reason Jair Brown hasn't played a lot is because it's a deep position for them. Gibson, Odom, Hufunga, safety. Uh, I looked before the game. Chase Young has more 49er snaps than Jair Brown does this year. He has barely played. He had 32 snaps coming into the game. Like, it's nothing. And, um, you know, I, I don't – maybe somebody, I guess, hearing that would argue – you would have liked to get him more snaps in preparation for the possibility that something like this happens, but they're so deep at that position, it's hard. But it seems like now they're going to go from a guy they drafted to a guy they drafted. I'm obviously not trying to save their season, but it's going to it's going to be a big part of how good this defense is. Can Jair Brown kind of step in and pick up where Hufunga left off? Not that Hufunga was having – he didn't feel like he was playing as well this year. I don't know. He's not, I mean, co- well, coverage is never the more and more you play, they're going to find your limitation. It was a knock on him in the draft. He's never going to be able to man up and just run around and chase a slot receiver, a tight end. Like that's going to be a limitation. He's going to have to beat him with instincts and be in the right position. He just, the, he, the more I, an offensive coordinator gets film on you, I'm going to find a way to get you in space. I can't just play you around the line of scrimmage 24-7, 365 in, in the modern-day NFL, right? In the 80s, you get away with it. Pete Carroll got away with it a lot with with uh, Cam Chancellor. I would say the 49ers, some of those teams with Whitner and Goldson, you could – the game was a lot different. Like, the offenses you were playing were a lot different. It is more difficult when teams are spreading it. Like, you watch the Bucks today, they're just running three, four, five wide. I mean, they're just slinging it around. You just got to play in space. What was the play he got injured on? Just to play in space, one-on-one. That's kind of the NFL, which he's good at. He's a great tackler. But coverage is always, I don't want to say going to be his bugaboo, but it's going to be the, if you and I are on another team and we're playing the Niners, that is a weakness for the yeah. 49ers, right? Yeah. And I think you saw some of the weaknesses just in general there, secondary. Hufunga, not a great cover guy. Charvarius uh, is much better. He would much rather have you just go deep and he can just be on top of you than you run routes that have a lot of, movement right out routes in routes like where you're i get a shiftier guy just don't give me mike evans running out route. just give me mike evans one-on-one in space and give me let me use my big body and my speed right he's tyree kill one-on-one with charvarius who's the niners clear best corner those type players are going to be difficult for them to handle right but aj brown is going to be difficult but at least like okay just run a go route i can just we'll just we'll just man up we'll play basketball right their secondary is just going to be. I mean, I thought Fred Warner today looked like fucking Ray Lewis. I mean, the no. guy was, the guy was everywhere. Reno so looked this, better, I thought today too. Oh, how about the play late in the game where a dude got on the sideline? He hit him so hard, the dude flew past like the first two lines of people standing on the Buck sideline, and Greenlaw just kind of looked at him for a second and just like walked back to the huddle. <laughs> he hit him so hard. Greenlaw looked much more fluid today than he has in previous yeah. weeks. But I, I, I mean, Fred was on a mission today. I mean, kicking ass and taking names. Let's face it. 
Obviously, they had Sherman, who was a better player than Ward. But similar, like they just had one corner they could rely on, a lot of other corners, but that front dominated. And I think that's how they're going to ebb and flow. When the defensive line dominates, when Fred's dominating, and their offense is good, they got a chance to beat anybody on any given day. And, you know, it sucks, but they never have to play Joe Burrow again. Or Cousins. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, might be their first-round playoff matchup. Tony said, call Kwaski Tart. Uh, I feel I like that ship what... sailed. Something weird happened there, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I also think they draft. Look, they drafted a safety in with pick 87. That's what Jair Brown is. Um, he he's, doesn't have to be their number one safety. This is why he's here. You don't, you know, you don't get the red shirt. Um, according to your plan, always. And who knows? Maybe didn't you suggest? Did, did you say this a few, a few weeks ago or a month ago? Like, like Jair Brown just might be. Is Hufunga getting extended? Given how expensive this team is, did did you bring that up like last month? Or am I imagining that? <clears throat> Maybe. Uh, yeah, I I think we talked about it, but he's. Would they extend him after year three, or would they just let him play out the four years? Uh, yeah, I just mean like in the big picture. Like, is is, oh, yeah, is yeah, it yeah. just kind of as good as Hilfunga's been? Is that going to be? Are they just hoping to just rotate Jair Brown right in and and let Hilfunga hit free agency eventually? I don't know, but I I thought you brought that up a month or so ago, and you know they drafted this guy because they think he can be a. They drafted Hufunga in what the fifth round, so they obviously think this guy can be a really good player. I do think they take a lot of pride. <clears throat> like, obviously, their general manager is not your typical scout. He's not your typical guy that came up. Well, he's a contract negotiator. He's just foreign player, loved ball, and just got involved, you know, right out of the booth. I mean, even Mike Mayock, literally for a living on TV, did the evaluation of the draft, right? I mean, John's like, I just love ball, man. Elway, just Peters, I, I want in. <laughs> it was, it's, it's the least. It definitely used to happen more in like the 70s and 80s in sports. Like that's how guys became GMs in basketball, football, and baseball. They're just former players. Yeah. That is not the case anymore at all. I would say it's actually the opposite of guys like him and Dion. Like that, that type of stuff just doesn't happen at all uh, because I can't risk in college football or the NFL, whether you're a GM, head coach, the amount of money, what's on the line. Like I, it's much more like a normal job. Like you kind of have to prove it before I can take a flyer at the, at the rate in which I'm paying you. Right. It's much more like a you get hired at a company, but you don't become the CEO at a company without having some fucking pelts on the wall. And I wonder if he does feel pretty confident in evaluating this position. I mean, Gibson off the scrap heap, what they've done with Hufunga. Odom. I, you know, obviously, when they draft the Jair Brown, he talked about him pretty highly. Remember, Jair is a pretty productive guy. Talk shit all you want about Penn State on offense. Defense is not their issue. Right, defense. They, they're defensive players. They they have an NFL defense. And he was, on, yeah, he was. On, that was the team that mollywopped Utah in the Rose Bowl. Right. He was honestly, on if you just give them a, a normal high end college offense, they they're. I mean, they were competitive with Michigan and Ohio State. They just their offense is a joke. My I feel like they was, lead the nation in like blue chip quarterbacks that just fall off the face of the earth. I swear to God, one of my buddies who works for the Eagles, who went to Penn State and loves the program, like falls like the recruiting. He's like, I'm telling you, man, because last year they couldn't wait to get rid of the dude the Packers drafted. Yeah. Like, we got this guy. Buzz is think Josh Allen, you know, that, and that was the hype on this guy. Yeah. And it was like all over the country. It wasn't just fans. I, I think, you know, the 
the people that cover it from the Joel Klatz and the people around it were yeah, totally. kind of hyping this he, guy he up. The Heisman odds, it was there. <laughs> and he has just crumbled like a cookie. Drew, but, Drew Aller. They fired their offensive coordinator this year. They, they scored like 20 points this week against Rutgers. I think they won the game like 20 to 6. How about Northwestern being like good at football this year, by the way? Didn't they hire the interim? They did. They hired the the, the, only, the guy that showed up like three weeks before they fired everybody. Yeah, so... Listen, you get guy pedigree guys, you know, who are really productive in college. Like ultimately, that was Hufunga. Now, unlike Jair, who was on good team at Penn State, Hufunga was on shitty team. But you watched USC. Obviously, Drake Jackson kind of blended in. He did not. Like it wasn't just traits. It was this guy made plays, and this guy made plays. And to me, there's always something to production with evaluating college guys. Like, do you actually make a lot of plays, or am I just? doing uh the bulky like bulky took the dude from georgia the one guy in georgia's defense who didn't do anything it's like just take aiden hutchinson he's like too white bulky's like i, I can't risk it just i, I don't want a high floor guy and it's like you think he'd want that one over yeah i think sometimes just take the productive guy don't try to overthink it and i get why you do it right because sometimes it hits you look like a fucking genius but it misses way more just take productive players are usually productive in the pros right I mean, this, this just isn't that complicated of a strategy and uh, Especially when they measure and test, right? Remember the and the knock on this guy right ran a little slower, I think. But again, how many four four? There aren't many Earl yeah, Thomas. That guy, that guy goes the top and he got him. In, he got him in the third round. <laughs> yeah, that that guy you're talking about goes in the top twenty, right? Because Jair Brown was a third round pick, right? I mean, he's pick eighty seven. Well, it wasn't like they they liked this guy, and I think this is the NFL though, guy like clearly very lucky this is not if i told you they lost a player to an acl before the game started your heart would drop because you're like oh my god is it you, you think it's a six or seven guys including the quarterback this sucks and he's a really really good player but if you took all your really really good players who are captains and this is the shitty part about the nfl if i told you all their good players you, you might pick him first right you wouldn't pick trent you wouldn't pick fred you wouldn't pick debo you wouldn't pick iuke you wouldn't pick purdy Mooney. You wouldn't pick Mooney Ward for sure. You wouldn't pick Hargrave or Chase Young. Like it, it is in there's they it sucks. One, I hate doing this. I but know, yeah. I know. They only have one position of depth in their secondary, and it is safety. Right. They do have a lot of corners, it feels like. I don't know if they're they, good, I, I mean yeah. a lot and depth are two different things, but uh Jason Verrett in the building. Is he? <laughs> they worked him out. I think they signed him to the practice squad. So Oh, is that why some of the guys were t- tweeting about it? Yeah. Uh, a couple of super chats to hit here. Brian uh, says, uh, Brock was pretty today, and it was almost boring. Like, his efficiency is on another level. And uh, Dylan says, why is Shanahan taking the ball to Purdy's hands to put it away in the fourth quarter? Those runs on first and 10 against loaded fronts were maddening. To me, when you're up two scores, I don't know if you saw the end of the Oregon State-Washington game. Oregon State, Oregon State. did you watch that game at all on Saturday? Uh, yeah. Oregon State was... Washington was up on them. They come back. Pen- Michael Penix throws on third and three to ice the game. It was a one-score game. Like, I got no problem running Christian McCaffrey into a pile of guys when you're just trying to end the game. I know they didn't do it as well as they would have wanted. But when you're up two scores, you don't really have to go try and make plays. You're just in clock bleed mode. What do you think? That's my opinion. Yeah. I, you're going to naturally get a little conservative in a situation. Would not have liked it up six, right? If it's... 20 to 14, I think you got to keep your foot on the pedal. 27 to 14, is Baker scoring multiple times against you? 
They're not really a quick strike offense. You can lean conservative against individual opponents. I don't think you could take that mindset. Like if you're playing the Eagles and the score's the same way, I, I think you go for kill shots. You agree that like to me, your opponent determines if you're playing the Chiefs, if you're playing where this to me was let's face it, kind of was boring because you never felt like the game was in doubt. Like right. they're not losing to the Buccaneers. And listen, they've had games where you're like, this is kind of weird. I never felt that at all from like the after the first drive. Even though like the more and more the game went. Because you, you can watch the Bucks play the Saints or whoever. And you go, God, I kind of like them. But when you watch them play the Niners and you really get to see player for player, I came away as the game went on respecting. You, we've talked about this earlier. Just this team has a lot of talent. Now, I don't know this offseason, you kind of blow it up. Do you just kind of reset it? Can you try to like uh, band-aid it and try to improve the quarterback? Maybe move one of the guys. But th- this is not some team that – it's not the Carolina Panthers – Right, this is not some team that you just go. Even the Bears, devoid of a lot of players, and um, I, I got no issue playing Baker Mayfield, who is kind of one of your classic. Like this guy's not beating the Forty ers Not when he's not even looking that good. And maybe a big part of that is the Forty ers making him not look that good. I mean, there was one play where they I, they hit a they hit a third down late in the game, like on Mike Evans on that crossing route. Mike got to the sideline. It looked like he was about to pass out of exhaustion. It showed his face. He's like, I don't know if he was angry or just couldn't get his breath. I mean, Baker threw it like almost 50 times today. So it's probably a lot of routes for Mike. Yeah, it is true. And you're down, you're running like, you're not, you know, these aren't red zone, like five yard routes. He's trying to get to the sticks on this franchise. Remember last year, they were the worst running franchise in the history of the league. This franchise is just like giving up on the run game. There's just, we'll just pass it unlimited times. Yeah. Uh, I think the playoff game against the Cowboys, Brady threw it like 75 times. Or yeah, something. maybe remember, yeah, Brady, it was like it was. It was the lowest yards per game for a playoff team ever, I think, is what they're it was like 60. On the rush. On the rush yards, yeah. Yeah. McCaffrey, by the way, set an NFL record today, John, passed Roger Craig's career reception number for a running back. That's pretty crazy at this point in somebody's career to set a receipt to set any sort of career record when you're you know, in theory, hopeful, like halfway through your career, right? Well, think about a lot of the guys, you know, famous players that young kids would know on video games that get traded. And we've seen a lot of them over the last, what, five years from A.J. Brown to Devontae to Tyreek to Khalil Mack to Jalen Ramsey, star players that just are star players and get traded. This was a player who, let's face it, brand. <laughs> I don't want to say was dead, but he was just a little out of sight, out of mind. He was not one of the major players in the NFL in the sense of when you talked about star players, his name didn't come up. And this trade non has fantasy. Re- this pl- yeah, exactly like non like nerdy fantasy, like just bullshitting out a bar about elite dudes, right? This guy has immediately gone to the 49ers and become best running back in the NFL. One of the best players in the NFL and just Mainstream a superstar. Star. Mainstream. I watched the game last week. Alyssa said to me, she's like, do you think, do you think, uh, she's like, Chris McCaffrey's probably like a top five most exciting player to watch, right? I was like, oh, yeah, let's, let's make it like, yeah, it's good. Like, let's think about it, you know? Uh, But it's, yeah, the answer, the short answer is yes. He is a top five most exciting player to watch. Now we could make the non quarterback, right? We could make the list and you could easily make a list without him. But I was, that's just, that's just what people who watch football casually think. This is one of the most exciting players to watch. Well, if you're just watching that game, the first couple drives, how does it not 
creep into your mind. God, this guy is sweet. Making runs, bouncing off guys, bouncing runs, catching the ball. He's just electric. He's an electric factory with the ball in his hands. He's just an elite player. And he was with Carolina. Injuries derailed that. But ultimately, you're the Carolina Panthers, a brand the moment you don't have superstar Cam Newton are competing in the playoffs. No one gives a flying fuck about you. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to diminish shittier brands, but your margin for error as a bad brand is much smaller than the big boys. It just is. And brand or no brand, you don't play in meaningful games. It doesn't, you know, like you just don't. And that, that, games. Well, that's part of it. You don't get the benefit of the doubt, right? No. If you're on a bigger brand and your team's not as good, you still get some of those meaningful games. That is to me, your moments, the Cowboys, the Jets, they're, Sweet they're catch. irrelevant. Didn't matter. Catching at the Rams last year, incredible. Irrelevant. I, I misheard the record. So it's thank you for the correction here on the chat. First, most catches by a receiver through his first seven by a running back. Most catches by a running back through his first seven seasons. Okay. Yeah. We all know Jerry Rice has the record for most catches by a running back in a career, John. Yeah. Again, someone blasted yeah. us on social media. Okay. I immediately asked his age. He said 45. And that's my point. Like, there's not going to be anyone 29 pissed off. So everyone older, like you're 45, you're six, seven years older than me. That's that's six plus years of watching Jerry in like the late 80s, right? I mean, he's that I'm 30, 39 years old. And there's a level of like, I started really picking up Jerry in like 92, 93. Well, Jerry came in the league in 84, right? So th- there's an element that you have six years. Th- the guy 30 years old, remember, oh, I remember when he played with Tim Brown and the Raiders <laughs> and T.O. stole all his catches. Like th- there's a generational level of when records, everyone, the Cal Ripken, I don't even care if you don't even like baseball. It's just like a famous record or Wilt Chamberlain 100 points. Football records are just th- – they're just completely irrelevant. That's why it's like for the, the first seven years of for a running back, no one even knows these things because ultimately they don't matter. You just know Roger Craig, Christian McCaffrey, Marshall Falk. You're like LaDainian Tomlinson, incredible pass catching running back, some of the best of all time. That's all that matters. How many? No one knows. It's like at any moment, if you need them, they catch you 80 balls on a given year, right? They, they can just play receiver for a game. That, that's the way you talk about it, not like this guy – in his best year, hit 397, right? You, you don't speak about it like that. Even touchdowns, right? Like his best year he had, unless you bring up their Wikipedia page, you just go, God, this guy scored a lot of touchdowns. You don't know, like on this given year, he had 17. This given year, he had nine. Like All these players, like how many touchdowns they have this year. Like I, Justin Jefferson, I know he scores a lot. How many right. has he scored on a given year? Or Travis Kelsey, and I, like George Kittle, for example. You go, yeah, I bet he averages throughout his career probably like four touchdowns a year. Or you know, you you wouldn't say like 10 touchdowns. You just have a you can kind of gauge it. Right. But that's how football kind of works. Like I'd pretty guess six, but let's look. Uh I, I, has the record, by the way. I saw someone tweet out that however many touchdowns he has with Purdy is how many he had through the first like 70 games of his career. Which so, is clear. He's th- he's got a lot of touchdowns this last year and a half. He's got he had one today. This has him at four, so I'm guessing he has five, 36, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, divided by seven, 5.1. He had 11 last year, which was by far a career high. And he definitely got a lot once Brock came in. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that's what 
that's what makes the NFL the easiest to talk about because you don't need numbers really for anything, but you can use them for your argument. Like when Richard Sherman goes, we're the greatest scoring defense of all time. No one knows, you know, 12.7 they average over four years. You just know, really hard to score touchdowns on them, right? He's not (laughs) talking about stat, right? He's not talking about the number. Yeah. He's just like, when you played us, you guys were fucking going to get lucky to get 250 yards of total offense. And you were afraid. (laughs) Yeah. Which is part of stat, right? Like, were you afraid? And that's part of talking about football that I think it's very difficult. And listen, I could be wrong, but most why the analytical movement, I think why baseball, it's not a podcast radio sport anymore in terms of like talking about it. I think and ba- even basketball, if I ever listen to a basketball podcast and they get to, you just lose me. Like I just, just talk about the play. Just talk about what you see you, what's going on. And football is just the easiest too, while easily using the stat. Like, we're never going to argue, you know, touchdowns don't even matter or yards per catch don't matter. It's like everything's always going to kind of matter. It's pretty black and white what matters and what doesn't. And it's like the good or is he good or not? And you can you kind of argue it because there's a lot of gray area. Yeah, I, I've, I've always thought this. I think you're so right. Analytics ruined sports talk in a way. I know I know how that sounds like you have to use. Why, why would you not use the numbers that help you make better decisions? Of course, you, you do and you should. But the the majority of people who casually follow sports, because sports is mostly followed, cas- like when I say casual, I mean like super casually, not, but most people, like the vast, but you sell out stadiums and you get 100 million people to watch a game with just the casually engaged people who love talking about sports, but who have other things to do and don't necessarily always know which receiver your team worked out on a Tuesday. If you know that information, you are A, Hardcore, awesome, great to have you. Be in the minority of the people that fill a stadium and watch a game, which is fine. You need all types of people, but it's the casual, the, the casual fan that sells out a stadium. And it just you it's just it makes it a little harder to have the conversation in a fun, easy way. I'll I'll tell you, football, of course, as you know, uses them. I met Joey McGuire this week, John, the Texas tech coach. I thought you meant the actor. Uh no. I didn't even think of that. Good call. High school coach for 14 years. Won three state titles. Dallas-Fort Worth, like won a bunch of state titles. And I was asking him about analytics, and he said, well, every week they get a report. And a lot of teams use like external companies to give them reports. I think a lot of them subscribe to PFF, give them stuff. Yeah, PFF, but there's actually several. He he named the company. I don't remember the name, but there's several companies that will give them game-specific reports. Like, here's the other team's tendencies this week. Here are your tendencies. He said every week, on like Wednesday or Thursday, we'll have a meeting with a guy. We'll go through the report and we'll talk about situations that could come up in the game. Guy on his staff or an external guy? External guy. Like a guy who runs like a consultant, basically. Gotcha. They, they go. So he said, so last week and what these guys will do is they'll create reports. So like last week when Penn state had, you know, they didn't go for, they didn't go for it on a fourth down, but then they, but then they went, they didn't go, like, what was it, two weeks ago? They didn't go on like a fourth and one, but then they went on like a fourth and five. So like this guy, this consultant will also bring to the table like other decisions other teams have made and they'll kind of go through. Like if you're in this spot, what do you do? Um, well, last week they played a team whose backup, whose quarterback got hurt. So he did things, he coached that game away from the analytics. Go for it here, he would normally go for it, but because the backup is playing for the other team, he punted. So he's like, let's make this guy drive the field on us. It's kind of, the weather's bad, you know, whatever. 
So then they have the follow-up meeting the next week. And the analytics guy says, you know, th- here were three decisions you made. The numbers did not support the decisions you made. You know, you probably should. And he's like, look, I also had to coach the, the game changed from the numbers we went over on Thursday. Yeah. And that's what I had to do. Um, but there is so much that goes into it now. Like I had an, a referee, I was on the field and I asked him about it. He said, you know, it, it like enforcing penalties has gotten slower because they got to wait for the other, for the team, for their analytics guy to look at the book and tell them, should we accept or decline the penalty? And it's, it has slowed the game down a little bit, not in any noticeable way, I don't think, but it's just slowed the game down a little bit. But what football has, I'm glad you said that too. I was in the car today. I flipped on the radio. This was like this morning, the Cowboy game. It was like, you know, they're, they're flipping around game to game to game. Yeah. The Cowboys game is on. The Cowboys are playing the Panthers. The Panthers are not a threat to the Cowboys. And I flipped this thing on. You would have thought that the Super Bowl was about to kick off. Just listening to the Cowboys radio, right? And the, the radio guy, Babe Laufenberg, he's like. He he's goes, the Cowboys play-by-play guy? No, he's the analyst. He's the analyst. Like former quarterback. He's like, you know. I can't do his voice, but he's like, I was just on the field before the game, and I am shocked at how tiny the Panthers quarterback is. He is, I was stunned seeing him in person. He was way smaller than I thought. And the crowd's just going crazy, and then the game kicks off, and he's, you know, these guys are just, it's just once a week you get a war. You get a war once a week. I, I had well, I had a game, I had on Commanders, because as the day went on, some of the games didn't matter. Commanders Giants was pretty entertaining. Tommy DeVito was playing out of his ass. Yeah. And every time he'd throw a touchdown and they'd go to his family, the Bears today fucking brought it. And I mean, one huge major separation over the last, obviously, football is running circles around every other sport. In college football, is in a different tier than the other sports. But you just, tanking is a huge part of basketball, like literally not trying. No one in football, maybe that final week, if you like start some guy that probably shouldn't start, but every team today, the Packers, who's like, God, the Packers should just lose out fucking playing their ass off against the Chargers. I'm, they won. They beat Brandon Staley and the Chargers, right? You, you look at the, the Packers like, just don't even in the, in basketball, you'd start resting people. You'd mail it in, in baseball. You would have mailed it in like three weeks ago, but they were just that game at Lambeau. Even today, the, the Bucks. Now, granted, they still have something to play for. You just get every guy's. If you're a paying customer, again, so there are going to be some blowouts and stuff. But if you went to the Lions, Bears, if you went to Packers, Chargers, if you went to the Giants game as a Giants fan, you just go, my guys are trying hard. Really, and you go, as pro sports are getting paid a lot of money. The other sports, like you just go to some of these baseball. I mean, the A's literally haven't tried in like two years. They just fucking mail it in. They do not yeah. give a fuck. Yeah, they do not care in basketball. By January 1st, there are going to be 10 teams that don't give a shit. Well, Jerry DePoto, the Mariners GM, like right after the season ended, got really criticized because he came out and said at a season-ending press conference, you know, we're just trying to do every – you just want to give your shot, your team a shot, like every 10 years, like six of them, you got a shot to win like 85 games or whatever the number was, you know. And like nobody wants to hear that you're just playing the percentages, Right over the course of a decade. So when I say like the numbers ruined, uh, uh, let me be clear. Like I, I am not anti, I use them. Somebody said PF, a uh, GFF stock way down. I'm just saying, what is the right way to run a team and the right way to make decisions does not always make for the, for the best entertaining product. Right? So when people like, you know, an argument over batting average is stupid. Well, yeah, maybe, but 
Mike and the Mad Dog just spent five hours screaming at each other over it, and people ate it up because it was easy to consume. I'll give you a good example. Because I thought it was kind of crazy when they did it. And I think the casual person that follows football, that all kind of universally agree, like, you know, you don't need to spend a lot on running backs. When the 49ers gave a second, a third, and a fourth for Christian McCaffrey, which is a much more 1990s, 1980s, 1970s thing to do, I'm like, listen, I've been watching <laughs> the guys in Stanford. I fucking, yeah. that Iowa game is one of the coolest moments in Rose Bowl history. Christian McCaffrey's career, way better than I ever would have thought. I think you guys are kind of nuts. Like, yeah. this is a little Shanahan, emotional family, Mike pushing you to do it. Thank God they didn't just overthink it with the analytical, this is too much for a running back who makes a lot, and just did, we like this guy, let's go get him, and let's fucking play ball, right? Because that is much more of a gut feel, emotional, and holy cannoli, thank God they did that move. And, and a lot of times, what would the analytic people take the emotion out of it? Don't get into a bidding war against the, the let them screw up, let them sell more of their picks. You're trying to wipe them off the map. That that's it'd be one thing if you're bidding against the team, the Eagles, who you're gonna play. Get it. You're not really playing against the Rams anymore. They're on a different path than you. But it was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm all overpay for this guy. And he's gonna be worth more to me than he's gonna be worth to anybody else, too. And but, they nailed that. And let's face yeah. it. That is pretty anti-analytics in and just anti what we're all kind of taught to do now in 2023. Wait, running back makes a lot of money? Injury prone? There's exceptions to every rule, right? And Christian McCaffrey's an exception. Yeah, but like let's you just you gotta be willing to do that sometimes. And that's coaches are always for the most part, like let's face it, all these decisions you get when guys going for it they feel much more emboldened because the owner gives them the thumbs up. Like, listen to this guy. I'm paying this guy 500 grand. He's a freaking genius. I don't even know half the stuff he tells me, but just listen to this guy. I'm cool with it. If you don't get it, like I know where you're getting the information. It's not most of these guys are inclined to do some of these moves they're doing, but I do appreciate when a coach goes, you know what? Like, let's use Kyle, for example, when McCaffrey was pissed off when he didn't get it. Well, starting guards out, right? His left guard's been injured a little while, Aaron Banks. So he has a backup in there. So, yeah, you got Trent, who, you know, most of the time can take out three people. But last time I checked, number 50 ain't lining up over 71. So that's not going to be a wash. So 50's going to win if he's around the ball. And White was knocked out of the game. But if you just factor in guys are injured, you know, who's playing? Like, that has to factor in because the analysts would be like, go for it here. That's always the situation. Well, what if I got three backup offensive linemen and right. my my starting running backs on the sideline, right? So I, I think you got to be careful with how you look at this. And I, I think Kyle, you know, you, I, you don't really know the good. What's entertaining about watching him is he's not Brandon Staley. He's beholden to the chart. He also can be really conservative, kind of like an old school '90s guy. But he also every once in a while throws a curveball in there. So you kind of never. I, I, I'm never confident. When something happens, like when you watch the Chargers, you know exactly like they're going to go for it, right? Or, you know, they punted, oh, Brandon's become a pussy. You know he wants to go for it here. He's freaking out. Like he's not, he's afraid. Where Kyle, you have no clue what he's going to do at any moment, which is, I guess, in in an element uh, to the 49ers, if you're a fan, makes it a little entertaining because you just don't know what's coming. Maybe it makes it confusing for the players. I was texting with our boy John Dickinson at the end of the first half. So I'm like, what does Ayuk do when Ayuk didn't go out of bounds? And then the Niners immediately called a timeout. And his take was, you know, I wonder if he's, it's, he knows what, like, he's a smart player. He knows what to do. He knows to go out of bounds. 
But I wonder if he thought, no, Kyle wants us to, Kyle doesn't want to give the ball back to the other team with any time left. So I better stay in bounds here, take up as much clock as possible. He thought maybe Brandon was just kind of a victim of not knowing exactly what Kyle wanted on this particular drive. Yeah. The they don't have a rhyme or reason with anything they do. It seems to that change. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are Kyle's feeling today? So uh, I thought that was a, a good little. How about, did you see Joey uh, Bosick get carted off today, by the way? I think they think he tore his Achilles. Oh. I uh, One quick bright spot, because this yeah. guy's been taking some uh, shrapnel. Moody, just easy day. Did you see the first extra point, though? Yeah, well, I mean, he just played the played the wind. Oh, yeah, well, I, I, it was windy there, but that ball was yanked left and then somehow banked, took a hard left, hard right turn and split the uprights. What if you're and doing playing a power cut? The re- yeah, the rest of the rest, everything else looked good. So you're right. Good, good day for uh, for old Moody today. Um, punk cover, something to be aware of. Yeah. Why? Why don't? But again, that that guy looked interesting. Why did the Niners never find a little guy like that? <laughs> why don't we have more elite long snapper, athletic long snappers? You think? Uh, because that guy ends up playing positions. But in like college, you gotta be in F. Oh, okay. In college, and, yeah, that's a good. And point. then you never train, and it's such a specific thing. I, I do think it's clearly pretty hard. Don't to, you think the move, if like you think you're gonna be, you know, the last linebacker on a on an NFL roster, is to become like, yeah, I'm the I play specially. I'm your long snapper. I'm not just like some guy. I'm your long snapper. You're but I can't ever snapper. have you in the game, and then if you get hurt on special teams covering. On kickoff, and then I don't. You have a don't long want snapper. your long snapper playing multiple positions, is what you're saying? Yeah. No, because when you think about when in games, and it doesn't happen very often, when the dude pulls a hamstring in the middle of the game, it's like, well, they're just fucked. Remember, like the, occasionally they're like, ah, Raiders, so and so, Garrett Selleck's their backup long snapper. The ball's flying over guys' heads. Yeah. Uh, Rams beat the Seahawks today, John. You mentioned that, so the Niners go in one game up in the loss column. Well, first, that, that was a good example. I, I thought Pete got a little conservative at the end. You know, he could have got a little closer. He had some time, yeah. and then he just kind of let it run off. And then they snapped five. it, and they went was like I. Garter. Could you have got to forty-eight yards? Now the game was really lost when it looked like his career was ended when Aaron Donald ripped his arm off. Then he came back, but that stretch of the game when Drew Locks in there, you just you suck. Did you see the game? So I saw you posted the you you post like oh my god Gino got annihilated on the end zone from behind view. Did you see the other the view from the side? That's the only highlight. I just typed it in because I didn't see the play live. You got to see the one from the side. Gino gets like alleyuking out of the screen. I mean, it's just like <laughs> doesn't even look like Donald's moving that fast. And Jesus, he crushed him. But I, they, they clearly for him to come back, it's not Purdy or Joe Burrow. They got pretty lucky because at first when his arms wrapped, you go, Did, is he out for the year? And if he's out for the year, they would be in major trouble. Like if you told me like they can't win games, right, with Drew Locke, like you, you start talking, are they a wild card? Could they end up eight, nine or something yeah. instead? Yeah. I mean, they, they would have been, they had to see their season flash before their eyes with that injury. And then he's, you know, he can't grip the ball. And you're like, oh my God, because they're back up. He feels like on the low end of backups, doesn't he? I got a tall Zach Wilson vibe with a little more competitiveness. That's, pr- that's probably a good comp. Yeah, he's just not very good quarterback skills. Not very good quarterback skills. A lot of, a lot of like bench self confidence on the field. You know, Zach Wilson's got like a lot of bench swag, field swag. No, none. You see, him he can he, he can sling it. 
He can sling it. Yeah, trip back it up. Uh, Jen on the stream says, my nephew's in high school training to be a long snapper. It's highly specialized. There are crazy camps to get scholarships. There you go. You don't even have to be an Aussie. Imagine that one guy gets the call from like Ryan Day or Kirby like, we're going to go with you, Billy. It's like his list. You like look at the list on 24-7. It's just Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, Oregon. You're like, oh, my God. It's like, wait, he's 6'1", 197? What position? They're just like 10 guys. And you just part of the team. You blend in. You get to be their buddies. And you just can't screw up. You cannot screw up. Because they do not want to think about you. They just want you on the team for a couple of years. Snap. Weight room. Better and be I on time. Deal. Yeah. No, no talking back. Never any opinions. <laughs> no controversial really, social posts. If you're smart, like you probably could get in pretty good with, if you're at a big time program, like one of the OCs or DCs that are going places. Right. Big picture for your life, you know. Uh, question for uh, a five spot. Thanks to Brown, Jair Brown, and the defense. The score wasn't as close as it could have been. Any concerns with what you saw today? Uh, what was the sack total? I feel like they're getting pressure. D- Oliver hit him on the. There are a few balls this one popped up because they got. I thought they got pressure. Chase Young looked good. I had a sack. Yeah, a sack late, but both. You're gonna it, well if you're gonna bring in Oliver. That's is all. Oliver's really more of a linebacker than he is a cover guy because he is a good tackler and he's a good blitzer. Yeah, you just can't have him cover but, people. But it doesn't feel like he's fast enough to land on the. I mean that one he he got close. He got yeah. I mean it's yeah. I don't know how often it's really landed, but. Um, Fred Warner, 12, 12 tackles, by the way, with two PBUs and a forced fumble on the game. He was he was on a mission. It's it's pretty crazy that the 49ers, it feels like, got two of just the most like pretty had a really good game and it looked sweet. But like when you were watching Cousins and even Burrow, I guess Purdy's game a little bit Burrow, like this is this is easy for him. The Cousins game was true, like it was just surgical. <laughs> It was hard to like what he yeah. was doing. Some of the plays. I mean, they got two guys that played two of the better games of the year who both just immediately Achilles. And I don't even know what Joe Burrow official his injury is being beside being out for the season. And those guys are just gone. Luckily though, like I saw, uh, actually now that doesn't, it's, it's the, like the Steelers. They hadn't played the Bengals yet, but Seattle already played the Bengals and lost. Steelers got bailed out because they, they play the Bengals twice, but gotcha. that doesn't impact the 49ers. Um, anything else? Anything else today? I, I, I do think like one thing, and I remember Kawakami used to write this, that used to really bother Mark Davis with interim head coaches. And he had two guys that clearly the players liked a lot, RIP Tony Sperano and clearly Rich. Yeah. is They got blown out a couple times, like in really, really ugly games. Like, you're allowed to lose. By the time the Raider game kicked off, they were a 14-point underdog. Pretty sure at the beginning of the week, it was like 10 and a half. So money must have been flying in. They covered, by the way, pretty easily. I thought today was like a good day for Antonio Pierce. You know, I, I do think he keeps doing this and just keeps them around 500, even if they miss the playoffs. Unless Harbaugh, like, tells him I want to come and maybe even gives him a deal. I think Antonio Pierce is going to keep the job as long as he just keeps the team looking like this. Yep. I think he's going to be the head coach for like, just even if it's like a f- fake four year deal, like a three year contract with a fourth year option. I, I, I think he's the lead dog right now. Helps him too. That's a good take. Helps him too that, you know, he's not an offensive guy. Aiden O'Connell throwing three picks, the one pick falling down today. It doesn't matter. 
for Antonio Pierce, right? It's irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, he's a, end of the day, he is a fourth round rookie, right? Uh, yeah, I, but but I mean, yeah, he's not the play he caller. No one like he's a defensive guy. They hold the Dolphins to twenty points on the road. Yeah, they were good. I mean, I, I they they were they definitely showed a lot of fight. I, I I think it can change, right? I mean, they could get blown out a couple times. Today was a classic spot over the years where they lose this game. Even if they end up winning some other games and win, go eight nine or nine and eight, they lose this game. That co- that spread is covered, and I you're, the line doesn't go from ten to fourteen with me and you putting two hundred bucks on the you know the Dolphins, right? I mean, there is a lot of real money coming moving that line because I would say historically in that spot, this franchise loses that game thirty eight to thirteen. And it was tight. They had the ball late with a chance to tie the game. And Jalen Ramsey made I, – I thought the Raiders really were pretty impressive today. John, last we talked, when the Niners 11-point favorites, because it closed at 13-and-a-half from what I'm looking at, and they won by 13. I thought it was like 10-and-a-half like earlier. Yeah, in the well, week. they won by 13, and the line closed at 13-and-a-half. Uh, I'm just looking for the week. Niners are currently a – looks like about a – Depends where you look, like a six and a half or seven point favorite on Thursday night. Which just, you know, Thursday night road games are weird. So, with that number, if Gino was 100% healthy and you didn't have to worry about, like, do you wake up, his arm all swollen? Is that number five? Are they kind of in the middle? Because to me, if Drew Locke's playing, what's that number? Bigger. Yeah. I I think this is the Gino number. I think this is the Gino is playing number. You agree with that or no? You think it should, it would? Yeah, no, like, yeah, but but I I think it's in the I think if Gino was playing and they were just normal, let's say they like he had never been hurt today and they just win the game. Is that number f- minus five? They build in like an extra point and a half, two points, and they have no problem if like by in a couple days it's like Gino's arm is actually all swollen. It's going to be very difficult for him to yeah. play. That six and a half goes to like twelve, right? But I wonder if it'd be closer to five. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're just are they just a touchdown favorite on the road short week? It seems a little crazy. To a t- it's I mean this team does have a lot of good players. Yeah. DK, what DK finish with today? Every time I looked up, it felt like he was making a play. I think Kenneth Walker got knocked out of the game. Jamal Adams was on the sideline with a knee injury with the cutoffs. He's he fucking looks like a D lineman, not a safety. <laughs> uh DK was five for ninety four in a touchdown. Okay. The I mean, they did have their moment. They they were definitely in first place after the Niners lost the three games. But that that did shift pretty quickly. Yeah, right. I mean, that shifted very very quickly. Niners got their swag back fast, and now Seattle. You lose this game, it the division would basically be over. Now the Niners still play the Eagles. They still play the Ravens, so they could get some L's. But as we see with Seattle, they are no lock. Just you just give them a competitive team. Like what are the Rams? When healthy, probably a more a seven and a ten team. Right, but that's a seven and ten team can beat anyone off a bye. Like the, the Seattle can just lose that game. It's it's forty six degrees. That's the high on Thursday in Seattle. We've had some rain on the West Coast. Doesn't look like any's in the f- forecast for this week, but a little on Tuesday in Seattle. But just you know, I, I know I this be. version of the these Niners have not had a problem with really with Geno Seahawks, but. It's a massive game from a lot of different angles. 
you can knock them out. You're going to have multiple game separation. Your divisional record, right? You'll still be undefeated in the division. You have the short bye week against Philly, who what's Philly plays tomorrow, which is yep. very going to be a very hard game. game. And then Philly plays again when Sunday, right? So you Buffalo. So you you damn. So you get they can play the Chiefs and the Buffalo. While you you win this game on the road, all of a sudden you get that mini bye week. Pretty big advantage for the Niners going into that Eagle game, assuming they win and assuming if they win. Yep. They don't have a major injuries. Right. Because if they don't, even you're right. If they lose even the extra bye week, the pressure on that game is immense. You win, whether you win by one point or 50, and you're pretty healthy coming out. I'd say you're kind of in the driver's seat against Philly when you factor in they're fucking playing the Chiefs and the Bills in a six day stretch. Kansas City's on the I, tomorrow's in Kansas City. It is. And this is this is not the Kansas City team that scores 100 points. This is actually much more of like an old school physical. That game's going to be a just a you know a, a lot of kidney shots going on if it was it's a boxing match game. Uh, Eagles plus not, two and a half. I kind of like Philly, but we'll see. I I think it's one of the home arenas that's or stadiums in the NFL that still has like the college, like you're coming into a fucking Hornets. That place is going to be lit tomorrow. Yeah. Lit. When's the last time they, they don't even get, I mean, it's fun, but it's not, it doesn't feel as big as often when you get really good. And this is, there's like the Patriots in mid dynasty. You get to like, this matters to the, you're saying the chiefs, like to really like, get to up the, to, to the crowd. Like, I, I just think that place is going to be going bananas. Yeah. And if you're a player, it's an, you know the, the crowd just naturally, you know it's a big game that way. I bet there's a buzz in that city tomorrow for the game. And you don't get as many of those once you just kicking the shit out of everybody. Even though the games actually technically are a lot closer right now than they used to be. Yeah, but you just know you got the best quarterback. You got one of the best coaches. You're going to the playoffs. You're going to be a one or two <laughs> or three seed. And uh, you know you're not that concerned. You don't have appropriate. You don't. You're not afraid. Well, the other thing, you start looking around, you're like, well, Deshaun Watson's out, Aaron Rodgers is out, Joe Burrow's out. Yeah, you Josh Allen and that Bills team's beating who as I got a fan base, Ravens? like an NBA team. Like, you just kind of, you turn it on late. And we'll turn it on in the postseason. Who's beating us? The Ravens would be the only team. And then you just say, yeah, loud, like, wait, Lamar Jackson coming to Kansas City and beat us? That would really happen? I'm a great, yeah. I'm a great playoff quarterback. He isn't. Tomorrow's true? a good – that's a good Monday night football game. Schefter reports the the uh, Browns are signing – Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Only know that because someone DM'd me a picture of him on a plane. He was also on the plane or something. I said – Or maybe it was just he wasn't on the plane. He was – the guy yeah, was, was flying to Flacco like getting – yeah, yeah. Clearly not in first class either. Flacco. They gotta they gotta send you the jet, man. All right. Yeah, you don't. You can't be sending the jets for four. He's their starting quarterback. quarterback in a week. What's his Maybe. name? One today. DTR. Yeah. Thirteen to ten. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I every time I look up, uh, Warren Sharp is like debating Kenny Pickett in my timeline. Like, what? Why are we? Why is anybody arguing about Kenny Pickett? He's supporting him. No. So maybe it's just good because Pittsburgh fans want. I, I can't imagine anybody in Pittsburgh supporting Kenny Pickett. 
It's not working. It's, it's not going to work. That's why you don't draft the Mac Jones, the Kenny Pickett's high, because yeah. they're for them to be good, their margin for error is just slim to none. That's why you take. That's why you take Brock Purdy, last pick in the draft. Just wait. Just play, play, play cool. <laughs> just let it fall to you, baby. <laughs> let it, let the chips fall to you. All right. Anything else? Anything we need to add here? Did I miss any no. super chats? I don't think so. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us today, and um, we'll holler at you soon. Later. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.